Welcome to Fellowship of Champions. Well, we are a church teaching you to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. That's why we had to do what we do, because our whole establishment as a church is to see people free. Amen. To see people free. And we may not be for everybody, but we for our 500 and more. So we're going to get into the word. We've already got into the word because the word is designed to bring you liberty. Yes. And anytime there's liberty going forth, the word is present. Yes. Because the word was God, it was with God, right? Amen. 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 So we're going to kind of pick up where dad's uh, left off is embracing grace and leaving the law behind. Right? Y'all remember those four tenets at the beginning he talked about? Relying on our own efforts puts us where? Back under the law. law. All right? And we're going to go through this real quick. We'll debrief what we did last Sunday. We'll, we'll get out here. It is the finished works of Jesus performed on the cross, not our what? Perfection. That positions us to receive God's blessing. All right, give your body a check real quick. I know we just prayed for people. I know that ain't the ordinary service. I know some of you sat there for a second. But here's the thing with God. God is always seeking to bring people liberty. And sometimes we think about what we're going to eat after, what we're going to do after, and that keeps us from receiving. All right? Because you sitting there, but we up here, we warm too. All right? So, but, but I'm looking at some of your faces. So check your body and say, body, I declare you will receive. You'll receive the word. Don't let your body tell you you're tired. So Jesus, in giving his body and blood, has removed the curse. Say, Jesus, Jesus removed, removed the curse. And then number four was any time. Oh, let me finish that one. Jesus removed the curse that we were born under, and there is no need to work. Say, there is no need, there is no need to, work to work to receive from God. There's no need to work. Romans 5 and 8, Ralph's version said, even when you was ratchet, torn up, raggedy, ugly, stinking, filthy, Christ died, yet died for you. So in your worst state, he gave it all. In your worst state, he gave it all. So he saw you at your ugliest point. You know, if you was ever dating, when you was dating, you was always trying to look good when that person showed up. But then, after some years of marriage, sometimes, y'all going to play me? Are y'all like, you get to see that person natural and the raw and the real, as uh, Rich said. God saw you at your worst point. You know, sometimes sickness will come over your body and you have issues going on, and, and it's your ugliest point. God says, even then, I thought you was worth it. And so I gave it all, then. It's, number four was, anytime we move away from grace and toward trusting our own self-efforts, we always make ourselves look crazy. Anytime I operate outside of God's grace and under, under, 
outside of God's grace and under the law, I will always make myself look crazy. Why? Because what we'll spend to find out in a minute with the Holy Spirit, when I operate outside of the law, I mean the grace, I'm operating in my flesh. My flesh doesn't understand the things of God. And because I don't understand the things of God, then I always end up looking crazy. And what, what the enemy has tricked us, and we've tricked ourselves, is sometimes we make a decision not to follow God, and we take a job making $90,000 a year. And you making more money, but now you're working more, and your marriage suffering. Here's the thing with God. Even if you made $50,000 a year, well, God will always ensure that all areas of your life will be good. So sometimes we make a decision in our flesh, and like, man, this worked out. I'm making good money. But then other areas of your life are suffering. Say, that, say all, areas all areas are covered with God. Covered with God. So those are the four tenets. And last week we talked about how God has loved us how long? Forever. Ever, ever, right? So for over 2,000 years, God has loved us. God has loved us from creation. And when we understand that love, it empowers our faith. Therefore, we access the things that he has made to us by grace. And we talked about last week how God has loved us since Adam. And how when you have loved something for so long, then you have a different perspective of what you're willing to do than those who have loved only for a month or two. Like, if we go on a date and you're on your phone all the time and you're not paying me any attention on the first date, what y'all going to say? Ain't no second date, Right? But if you got 25 years in marriage and you're on your phone, then we're going to have a conversation. We're going to get it right. Why? Because we got too much invested to throw away something over something like that. God says, because I've loved you for so long, I got too much invested to throw you away because you stole the tithe. Because I've loved you so long, I got, I'm too invested to throw you away because you decided not to listen to me today. I got too much invested, and I know you dated that boy. He broke your heart. You're still emotionally struggling sometimes, but because I got too much invested, I'm going to make sure you're whole. Why? Because I did it before you ever were created. Last week we talked about God has loved me for eternity where I have loved him for decades. Think about that. He has been loving you since the inception of earth. So when he came and he saw it was a dark void, Ralph was with him. Say, I was with God, was God when, he created it all. when he created it all. God loved me since then. God loved me since then. But you have only been on this earth 30, 40, 20, 10, 60 years. So you're trying to encompass a love that's millennia in your few decades. And that's why he has given us the Holy Spirit. To cause the love to be shed abroad in our heart so that we can conceptualize without time boundaries a love of millennia in 36 years. So that's, that was last week. And we talked about how grace and faith, they work together, right? You can't be all grace. You can't be all faith. I think Andrew Womack talked about how that one on sodium and chloride, right? A lot of sodium kills you. A lot of chloride kills you. But when you put them together, sodium chloride makes salt and you can't live without it. So when we combine faith and grace, it is a factor that we cannot live without it. I think God says it like this. 
Those who come to me must know that I am and I'm a rewarder of those that diligently seek me. And then he also follows it up. How do I please God? I please God by my faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. So God was saying, and you're like, well, what do you mean? And I was going, somebody give me some cash. You got some cash? Where am I? Be- oh, he's back there. So I'll get him in a minute. I just need anything, a dollar. So, appreciate it. I'll get back to you. Say, it's there. It's there. All right, we'll come back to it. So, faith gives us the ability to access what grace has provided. And so, we must focus on understanding God's love language. Have y'all, any of y'all ever read Gary Chapman? The five love languages? If you're married and you haven't, you probably should. Gary Chapman, five love languages. It will help your life, yes. So we must give God what he desires and not what we desire for him to have. And see, that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit tells us, Philippians, that it teaches us how to please God. So God says, I'm going to teach you how to give me what I want. But a lot of times we give God what we want. And so, and because of that, our faith doesn't work because faith is driven by love. But that love is understanding God's love for us, not a love that we give back to him that's outside of what he desired. Mm. Say, I cannot give give God God what I desire desire and get get what he has done. done. Teach that. Teach it. So, we got to believe Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith it's impossible to please God, for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Galatians 3, 6 says, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And I'm going fast because I got to get somewhere for y'all today. James 2 and 10, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offended in one point, he is guilty of it all. So, I have to walk by faith and I have to walk under grace because if I put myself under the law, there's over 600 things I require myself to do. Now, I'm pretty good, but I ain't that good. Come on. And so because I operate under grace, I say grace gives me access. Grace gives me access. Yeah, grace gives me access. Last week, we quickly talked about we got to stop centering ourselves. Say your neighbor, say it ain't about you. God's promise is based on him, not us. God's promise is based on him, it's not us. If, and I think I used an example last week. If I took Aiden to, I told him I was going to take him to uh, Disney or Universal or something, he would consider it done. Why? Because he understands that if I give him my word, I honor it. He wouldn't think about anything else. Why? Because he understood that a word is a bump. My promise is that. It's not a contract. I didn't say if you did something. See, a lot of us thinking, if we do this, God will love us. God says, I promise to love you. That has nothing to do with you. Amen. It's not a contract. I don't have a contract with my kids. So whether they're good or bad, I love them regardless. You shouldn't have a contract with your kids. And because sometimes, and here's, th- here's another reason, this is extra, and I'm not sure why we're talking about parenting, but here's extra. You can't even parent your kids with grace if you don't understand the grace from the Father. Wow. 
ever since I've been teaching this, my parenting has changed. I've been, it's been times I was going to tell Aiden, Aiden, if you do this, then this, but it wasn't all about the behavior. It was just about what I have always done. Because I understood to receive, you have to always do. But all he got to do is believe I'm good enough. And so how many times I, I was thinking about it, God's like, stop saying that. Stop always giving your kids requirements to receive based off what they do, because then they see me that way. That's good. That's good. So I'm like, Lord, but he got a yellow day twice last week. It's Wednesday, and he asking for tropical smoothie. And I'm like, if you get a blue day today, I'll go take you. The Lord said, no, you're going to take them anyway, because that's how I do you. But if you look at the way you parent, if you look at the way you parent, that will also be an imitation of the way you probably see God's relationship with you. If your kids are always having to do to get, you think you got to do that with God. Because he is the real daddy. You're looking for channels and ways to get your kids to behave. The word says it's the love of God that draws men to repentance. It's not your whoopings. No, I believe in the, I, I, me and Aiden made a paddle together. We sended it down and named it. All right, so I believe in spanking. But you trying to get change from your kid through ways that won't work. The only, see, and that's why, I mean, People talk about sin all the time. God ain't concerned about sin. He took care of it. That's why we teaching on grace, because God took care of sin through Christ. We have access to grace. Right? And it's the love of God that draws man to want to live a life that looks like his. Does your kids want to live a life that looks like yours? Does the love you give them portray the love that God gives you? Come on. Because you didn't tie last month. You didn't fast last month. You didn't take the job that he told you to take. You didn't say sorry to your wife the way he said. And you, you cussed out your spouse. You did all that last week. And God didn't whoop you. But your kid forgot to take out the trash. And now you taking their phone, they everything. Why? Because there ain't no grace available to them, but you want it all. So that was your side note. All right, so we're going back. So <clears throat> we got to stop centering ourselves. God's promise is based on him, not us. If I make a promise, then it's, it's my condition to fulfill it. So it ain't having to do anything with you. God's going to do what he's going to do regardless of you. Because here's the thing. God ain't doing nothing else. For some reason, we think our faith moves God. Your faith doesn't move God. Your faith moves you. Because it's already done, right? Let me give you a good example of faith. Watch this. Aiden, baby boy, I got something available for you. It's on a podium. You want to come get it? Are you shy? Come here. Come up here and get something. Daddy got something for you. 
Just go look on the podium and go back to your seat. Ashley, go look on the podium. Yeah, go back to your seat. You can split it with your brother. Go back and have a seat. Faith is that easy. Listen. I put this here. Him believing didn't create it. It, 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 didn't, it didn't create it. You're not believing God to make something. When I put this here, what did I tell you? It's there, it's done. In Eden, it was there, it was done. He didn't create anything after the seventh day because he rested. You know why he rested? Because it was perfect. And what just happened was this. His daddy gave him a word. And because he had spent six and a half years with his daddy, he understands that when his daddy says something, he can count it as done. So he didn't think about it. He gave all the intimidation away. He didn't care because daddy said. He just came and received. That's as simple as it gets with faith. I, don't, I can quit right now. Because that's all God is trying to get us to do is be like Aiden. Get out your seat. Allow your faith to be a motivation, your positive response to God that causes you to act. He understood that I got a word. He didn't know what was there, but because I said it's good, he went. See, that's all the problem. We wanted God to give us all the details. I didn't tell him it was money. I didn't tell him what it was. I just said, your daddy got something for you. Because he know the love of a father, though. He know that anything I got for him got to be good. Because as a good daddy, I would never give him anything to hurt him. You declining that job because you think it's a loss, but God said it's good. You, you not going... Because you don't think you're good enough, but God already qualified you. Micah 2 tells us that the breaker went in. So before you ever went to get the job, God had already moved on behalf of the panel to hire you. All God needed you to do was to show up. But because you convinced yourself not to, somebody else enjoying what was meant for you. But here's the awesome thing about God. He didn't stop. When God created the Holy Spirit, when he created the earth, he put in infinite ways to get you to where he desires. So, yeah, that job wasn't there because you didn't act. But guess what? I was watching the game yesterday, Alabama LSU. And listen, whatever team you root for, they both better than the Hogs. So... All right. But I saw, I saw Judy number four, right? Alabama? Judy. So he missed a pass, right? And it, it was a pass that could have really put them in position to really score. And so I was like, man. And so the next play, Tua backed up and threw it again and touchdown to who? Judy. God's saying, you're still on the last play. It's time to move on. Oh, come on. What? Come on. 
if Judy would have got caught up in the fact that he missed it the first time, he would never experience the catch the second time. Because why? His position was, though I missed it, I'll get it again. God is always giving you opportunities to get it right. He said, I need my people to move to the next place. Look at your neighbor and say, next place. Yeah, you didn't get to, you didn't, you didn't apply for the job this time. Next play. You didn't, you didn't keep the man I told you to have this time, but next play. Because every time God is throwing you a pass to get you in the end zone. Why? Because he created infinite ways to get you there. Like I use Google all the time, right? Every time I leave Conway, I use Google. And so Google prepares me ahead of time so Google can see what I can't. And so when I put in 2737 North O.Y. Road, and it come up on my dash, I chill. Why? Because I got somebody going ahead of me to prepare me for any detours I may take because there are wrecks and potholes ahead. And every now and then, when I'm using Waze, it'll say, uh, what does it say? Car? What does it say ahead? Police detected. Police detected ahead. Take a detour. 20 minutes slow down. God has gone ahead of you. And it doesn't matter how many times I turn with Waze, it always redirects me to my destination. And see, see, we will play salvation down to this little thing where it's just, I, I, I get, I'll give my life to Christ and I go to heaven. But salvation is big. See, what, what God did, Adam sinned, they wanted kings, they did all that stuff. And then, I mean, Noah had to build an ark and he wiped people out. And, and oh, here's a good thing. I was, I was thinking about this this week. When all these animals went onto the ark, God didn't create new animals because he had put in them everything they needed to reproduce and multiply. You better than the animal. So, so inside of, say me, is everything needed to replenish, multiply, subdue, and dominate. Listen, God doesn't need another you. He created you. You trying to clone somebody else when God trying to get you to be you. Because in you, you will multiply, replenish, subdue, and dominate things that your clone won't. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, next play. I'm just going to be me. I'm going to be all the wrath that God created. Next play. It don't matter if you've been wrong for 50 years. Next play. Next play. That's good. So let's get back. So God, so everybody, met, Adam messed up, right? And sin entered the world. And they were sacrificing animals and all this stuff. But none of it stayed. So it didn't stay. You always had to go back and do it over again. And so God was like, man, look, I, we got to fix this right. So he looked around, the best thing, he, what was the only thing perfect was him. So he wrapped Jesus up. Jesus came down. Jesus died, and he took all the power from the enemy, right? 
Y'all following me? We ain't going to three days and Sunday. We ain't, we ain't. He rose. But let's talk about what happened when he, after he arose. After he arose, we got to go to the scripture. I, yeah, let's just go read it. And I'm adjusting to this whole, I, I'm wired like Pastor Edwin, in a sense. I type out all these notes, and then the Holy Spirit has changed things up, so I got I to find it. Y'all give me a second. Let's go to Romans 10. Let's go, Dad, can we go to Romans 10 in the message? No, do we got the Passion Translation? I thought I had it in here, I don't. I think I, oh, yes, I do. I'm going to read Romans 10, 1 through 11. I need y'all to hear this, because every time we go to Romans 10 and 9, we talk about salvation. But check out what God did. The Passion Translation. My beloved brothers and sisters, the passionate desire of my heart and constant prayer to God is for my fellow Israelites to experience salvation. For I know that although they are deeply devoted to God, they are unenlightened. And since they have ignored the righteousness God gives, wanting instead to be acceptable to God because of what? Their own works. They refuse to submit to God's faith righteousness. For the Christ... For the Christ is the end of the law. Say, Christ ended the law. All right. And because of him, God has transferred his perfect righteousness to all who do what? Selah. Or that man at my grandma's funeral said, Sheila. He was reading the New Testament. We was at my grandma's funeral. He was reading the New Testament. I mean, he was all in it. I mean, the Old Testament. He was all in it. He got to the end of that thing and he said, Sheila. And I, and unfortunately, I was in the pulpit. I ducked my head because I was like, huh? It was Selah. S-E-L-A-H. He kind of messed some words up, but man, it brought life to that place. It, it brought some life. That, he said it with such, such dignity and such, uh, Sheila. I'm like, bro. All right. So anyway, I'm sorry. So and because of him, God has transferred his righteousness to all who believe. Moses wrote long ago about the need to obey every part of the law in order to be declared right with God. The one who obeys these things must always live by them. Be, but we receive the faith righteousness that speaks an entirely different message. Don't for a moment think you need to climb into heaven. That's so good. Don't for a moment think you need to climb into the heavens to find the Messiah and bring him down. But the faith righteousness we receive speaks to us in these words of Moses. God's living message is very close to you. As close as your own heart beating in your chest and as near as a tongue in your mouth. We'll, we'll, we'll pin that. We'll come back. Or to descend into the underworld to bring, up, bring him up from the dead. And what is God's living message? It is the revelation of faith for salvation, which is the message that we preach. For if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will experience salvation. 
The heart that believes in him receives the gifts of the righteousness of God. And then the mouth confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scriptures encourage us with these words. Every, everyone who believes in him will never be disappointed. Y'all should shout. Y'all don't know. I'm going to read it again and you shout. Everyone who believes in him will never be disappointed. Yeah. Now, in the King James Version, it says, I will never be ashamed. See, we just pray for that. But what salvation brought was a right to always experience victory and never be put to shame. There's stuff you've been believing for, but you haven't exercised your faith because you're too afraid it won't happen. You're ashamed. You're, and because you're ashamed, it puts you under the law. And there's nothing you can do through your actions to produce something that God has done. Why? Because faith appropriates what grace has made. And because and when you're operating in the law, you're operating under the law, you're operating in a fear, and fear can't appropriate what grace has made. Selah. I, I guess I'm the only one who had ever been disappointed. I guess I'm the only one who had ever been ashamed of a dream, so I didn't say it and I didn't pursue it because I didn't think God would come through. But what he just told me that because I've received him as Lord and Jesus Christ. Let's, let's talk about what salvation means. Y'all don't know what salvation means. Salvation is a Greek word means soteria. It's a broad, see, in the United States, we got so many words and we do things a little different, right? So let's read this in the Greek. Salvation, soteria, is a broader term in the Greek than we often think of in English. It means to sa say save, save. Rescue, rescue, and deliver. and deliver. Other concepts that are inherent in this word include restoration to a state of safety. Say, so God restores me to a state of safety. Soundness, health, and well-being, as well as preservation from the destruction of the enemy. So when you got saved, it ensured that you will always have provision, that you will never be without. It ensured that you will always be rescued and delivered. It ensured that you will be restored back to safety. What did safety look like? Safety looked like Adam. Safety looked like God spending days to create a perfect place that is complete and then put me in it. You're trying to create what God has already done. I love the story, Adam, because them first, them first few is the perfect, it shows me what God wanted to do. God spent days making it right so that when he put his best creation in, it had everything it needed. Say, I am, I am God's, best God's best creation. Say, I will not, I will not be, ashamed. be ashamed. Pastor Sean teach the message, dare to dream. Yes. So you got you to gotta make a decision. Will I dare to dream or will I let shame keep me bound? Come on. Will I dare to dream or will I, thought, will I let the thought of disappointment keep me in the place I am? Think about it. 
you make $30,000 now, maybe, or $40,000 now. And we got a word that everybody in this ministry can make so much more. You should, you should double your age, triple it. Amen. But will you let the shame of not going before and applying for a job keep you bound? Will you let the disappointing thought of maybe getting a no, because even if you got a no this time, what is Waze going to do? What's God going to do? Reroute. Next play. Next play. Why? Because that's what you got to do. Abraham. Abraham was going after that thing. He knew he was going to have a baby. In his efforts to access what God promised, he slept with his handmaiden. He went in. He did a lot of stuff. He lied a little bit. But God always honored him. Why? Because Abraham understood the next play. Because Judy last night understood that I'm only trying to get the victory. I can't get hung up with mishaps along the way. I won't always hear God. I will miss him. But along the way, as long, if I miss God trying to get to him, he will always make it right. Next play. And you may be applying for a job right now, and you don't got a whole bunch of next plays. But you know what? Keep going. Why? Because it's always rerouting you to your destination. And when we got saved, what happened was we got access to the Holy Ghost. And how, how long? What time? Is it? Okay. All right. We've got to finish up. All right. So when we got saved, we got access to the Holy Ghost. And we, yeah. So Genesis 1 and 2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So the Holy Ghost was there from the beginning. Y'all follow that? Yeah. Okay. Let's just keep going. Then 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 through 16, it says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Say, my flesh, my flesh. Don't, know. don't know. Come on. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritually judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct them? But we have the mind of Christ. Thank you, Father. Now, when we were reading earlier, in Romans 10, I told you we'll stick a pen in verse, uh, I think it was verse 8. God's living message is very close to you, as close as your own heart, beating as your chest and as near as the tongue in your mouth. Now, when you got saved and, and you accepted the Holy Ghost into your life, 
The Bible tells us that the Holy Ghost causes the love of God to be shared abroad in our heart. So this is what grace gave us access to. What God did was this. He said in the beginning, while he was creating everything, the Holy Ghost was there on the earth with him. And so as God spoke, the Holy Ghost formed. And so the Holy Ghost was hovering the earth, and so he created the stars, the moon, the water, all this stuff, and then he put man in there, right? And so Adam spent time with God every day. Then when sin entered the earth, that created a separation between God and man. And so we didn't have the access that we did have. And so for a long time, you had priests and all these things, you offered these sacrifices. And so when Jesus came and he died, he went away. But then in Acts, it tells us, I think Acts 9 or 10, it tells us that the Holy Ghost came upon them like a thundering sound. So they received the Holy Ghost. And what the Holy Ghost did, it came into our hearts. And it gave us the ability to know what God did from day one. Yes. Amen. I'll let y'all sit there for a second. Yes. I thought that was good. The Holy Spirit that lives inside of your heart gives you the ability to know exactly what God has thought and has done and show you how to access it. When we embrace grace, I embrace access to a Holy Ghost that gives me everything that God has. It says, for man don't know it. I don't know in my flesh how to be great. I don't, not God great. There's a, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction. There's a way that you think may look good and may be right, but it ain't. Your boo may not be the boo that God called you to. You may, it may seem right. The job may seem right. The relocation may seem right. But here is what I love about God. Say, look at you. I'm not, I'm not sure who it's for. Tell your name. So you don't got to move to get what God has for you. Relocation moves your body. Faith moves the spirit. You can exercise faith to bring to your location whatever you need. You chasing things when things are meant to chase you. Why? It's done. It's here. And what my faith will do with access to the Holy Ghost is move me in position to receive what has been finished. The Spirit already knows. The Holy Spirit walked with God. From creation. Holy Spirit knows where all the treasures are located. Have you ever did a treasure hunt and, and, and you kind of cheated and you kind of knew where some things were? You kind of scoped it out? It gave you an advantage, didn't it? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got the advantage. You got God living on the inside of you. You got the advantage. John 14, verses 25 and 26. The Holy Ghost already knows every pitfall that may come your way. That's why he's telling you to go right, but you can't go right and left at the same time. You got to choose. 
Aiden could have sat back there and chose to let intimidation, other people looking at him, cause him to stay where he was. Because he got all these eyes on, him, on me, and my daddy just put me on the spot. So I got to decide. I got to cut through some stuff to determine whether I'm going to follow my daddy's voice or I'm going to allow what people, stuff, earth, keep me seated. God never designed you to be a plant. You're supposed to move. So John 15, 14, 25 and 26. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. There are things you don't even know you're supposed to have, but the Holy Ghost reveals it to you. You sitting there wondering. Like, me and April all the time, we've been looking at building a house, right? We'll be looking at houses, we'll be looking at houses, and we just like, uh, uh. And then we just always attracted to big. And the Lord says, the Holy Ghost is bringing to your remembrance what I've already put here for you. He is bringing it to your remembrance. You're not attracted to that stuff because God is trying to tease you. It's the Holy Ghost that's bringing to your remembrance what God has already created for you when he, before he created you. He gave you everything you could ever desire and want before he ever created you. Before there was wrath, it was everything I liked. Why? Because Adam is the epitome of what God wants to do. So before Adam got there, it wasn't anything Adam could imagine that he wanted that God had not already provided. Come on. You thinking that your little dreams, I did say little, your little dreams are too big for God. Tell your neighbor, next play. Next play. They ain't too big. And the only reason you want it is because God wants you to have it. That's the Holy Ghost bringing to your remembrance what he has already done. All right, we're going to finish up here. John 15, 26, 27. We'll do some more next week. Sometime. John 15, 26, 27. But when the, say, when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, he gave you direct access from himself. Listen, God said, I'm going to bottle up everything I am. I'm going to send to earth in spirit form, and I'm going to give them access to it so that what happened to Adam will not have to happen to you because you got the Holy Ghost to walk past you. Now, the problem is choice. Choice is the problem. Because you got to choose what you're going to believe. You got to choose if six bedrooms, five and a half bathrooms, and an office is enough. 
Because the world says it doesn't take all that. You got three kids. Why you need all that? Because the Holy Ghost has brought to my remembrance what has already been done. So I need to go get what is already finished. Because when you operate in your flesh, you can't even identify with what God has. So God is wanting you to have X and you can't even see it because you're so caught up with what your money tells you you can do. Tell your money. Next play. Your money ain't your God. Unless you choose for your money to be your God. Your job ain't your source. Unless you choose for your job to be your source. Here go a nugget for free. Your spouse ain't your problem. Unless you choose for your spouse to be your problem. You need a whole lot more eyes than use. Identify yourself and let the Lord help you. We, John 15, 26, that's where we're finishing. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Mm, that's good. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Think it's... Yeah, it's verse 27. <clears throat> and you will tell everyone the truth about me, for you have walked with me from the start. From the start, we have been with God. Yes. From the start, he made it all available to us. It's already done. So while we embrace grace and we leave the law behind, uh -huh. we don't put a filter on this thing. Yes. We simply allow grace to be grace. And we take hold of everything God has for us. So by faith, through grace, I have access to everything. And because I understand that for millennia, my daddy has loved me and he has not lied. That when he says it, I can trust him. Yes. Caveat, quit lying to your kids. Quit lying to your kids. If you ain't going to do it, don't say it. You're establishing rough foundations for your kids to have trust issues later. The seeds you plant daily through your voice with your children are much bigger than what you realize. The smallest of things of telling them, I'll take you to the store, and then you don't. Every lie... Every not acted upon promise is a seed planted of distrust. And then you want your kids to, in a serious situation, to listen to you when they don't even know if you're telling the truth or not. And then you mad at a kid for responding a way in which you yourself as an adult created. Say what you mean. And mean what you say. And God has showed us all the way from the beginning. And he says when he looked all over to see something to swear about, he said he swore by himself. Because he knew that he was a man that honored his word. 
It, it wasn't anything in the earth that could honor the word that he wanted to give like himself. Do your babies see you that way? Is your word that powerful to them? Because God didn't put anything before you. I'm not telling you not to work. I'm not telling you to do those things. But what I am saying is that you got to take time out to ensure that your children are good. And I don't know who that's for, but that, that, hey, you, you do that. But the Holy Ghost allows us access to God. But the Holy Ghost can only be accessed through salvation. And salvation isn't just about eternal life. Salvation is much more. It's like some of us driving night, uh, those uh, newer cars, right? Newer cars do much more than just drive. Like, I didn't realize how, how great a heated steering wheel was until it got cold. And I hit that button, I forgot about it. I'm like, oh, this is nice. And that's how we treat salvation sometimes. We're driving around salvation for eternal life so that when we die, we go to heaven. When there's so many other features available. Safety, security, wholeness. Prevention of destruction from the enemy. Restoration of life and safety are all features of the Holy Ghost that we access through salvation. So what I want to do at this time, if you don't know God, and you're like, I am highly interested. I want to take what he has already provided. Because here's the thing, grace was made available to every man. Hitler had grace available to him, but there was a choice. And so today you get to decide. If you want to know God as your Lord and your personal Savior, you just got to ask him into your life.